Hey, what's going on, everyone? Kyle here, the You Know I Got So In Stereo podcast is back, episode 45. I've got Tom and Ed with me, guys. So much to talk about in R&B today. We have so many new things to introduce to you guys on this podcast. But Tom, I know you want to give a couple of shout-outs first. Yeah, before we begin, there's one shout-out I want to give. Can I shout-out soulandstereo.com? I mean, Ed has been a part of this podcast and a part of our site for a while now. But if you haven't checked out his site, soulandstereo.com, He's got so much to offer on here. He does the best album reviews in the game, R&B and hip-hop. And then he's got these whatever happened to sections, which are just awesome because a lot of people are wondering what happened to these people. And then he has these love letters section. If you need love advice, he's got you covered. I mean, everything's on here. A unique site like none other. Just wanted to shout it out real quick and show him love. Look at that. The brother's getting love. On an early podcast, it feels like Christmas. It feels like my birthday. A brother's height. Had to get that out of the way because you know we're going to be beefing the rest of the podcast. So the love is over. You know how, yeah. <laughs> Y'all get the love in now because you know it's going down. But on that end, to that end, I would like to thank my boys, Tom and Kyle, because when I came on board, when was it, Tom? Like 2014, 2015? 20, I mean, it started yeah. with a direct message and just saying, hey, what's up? Want to know if you guys wanted to be interested in a couple reviews. Years later, these two dudes are like, fam, we've got the podcast rolling. We've got the reviews going. The sites are almost one and the same. I'm really appreciative for the opportunities. Hanging out with these dudes, hanging out with dudes that love music as much as I do. So shout out to my boys. I'm always pushing them when I'm out here getting interviewed by other outlets because you got to show love to the fam. So thanks, y'all. Awesome. Awesome. Man, I'm, I'm feeling the love here, but Ed, I'll be honest with you, something seems a little fishy with, with all this love going on, because the last two podcasts, Tom has been on his apology tour dealing with the TLC situation. <laughs> now, Tom, yep. are you ready for apology number three? Oh, no. Now what? So, a couple of, a, a couple of podcasts ago, you were dissing the Ed Sheeran song, uh, the single that he has out right now? Yeah. Now, did you know that he actually borrows the melody from No Scrubs by TLC? Wait a second. Yes, I did read that. But why does that deserve an apology? Because yeah. you're dissing TLC again. Because you said the song borrows <laughs> the melody. Come on, this man. This dude is stretching like Mr. Fantastic this morning. Play Come on. please. <laughs> Oh, man. If anything, the TLC fans need to be apologizing. Not for any I just wanted them to say that. Let's keep it real. <laughs> he just gave them the credit so he wouldn't get sued like Pharrell and Robin Thicke. Real talk. That's what it is if you want to keep it real. <laughs> yep. Well, anyway, um, <laughs> speaking of... <laughs> well, anyways, we got new music that came out. I did a review on the Kevin Ross album. Great album. I actually talked about it last week, so... If you hadn't had a chance to listen to the last podcast, go back and listen to that. But there was another album that came out uh, this upcoming week, or this this recent week. It was Trey Song's Tremaine album. Ed, I know you had a chance to review that album. What did you think? I, I did, and your boy came in, you know, as a reviewer. It's always important to keep an open mind. But as we've talked about in these last two podcasts, like, this album hasn't been promoted at all. There have been a bunch of little random singles here and there, but nothing pushed for real. And the only thing I ever hear about is his lame reality show. I don't hear anything about the music. So I expected some gigantic dud, and I was just ready to tear it up. 
But lo and behold, the album is actually okay. He has instead, intentionally, because he has songs directly referencing this, he is pushing away from the party music, so no more stripper music, at least for now. And he's focusing more on soulful ballads, and it's more of, it's ironic, it's the trade that we started with in 2005, instead of the trade that became the pop star circa 2010. So if you're a fan of that sound, you'll find a lot to like in this album. Now, don't get me wrong. There's plenty of debauchery and whackness to be found, especially on that second half. But the first half of the album was surprisingly solid and returned to his old sound. So good for Trey. It was kind of a pleasant surprise. I'm assuming the animal song will not be on our top 100 countdown. That song won't be on my top 10,000 countdown. If you don't know the song I'm talking about, hit YouTube. It's up there. The man, ugh. Come on, Trey. I tried to give Trey the benefit of the doubt, and then that song came up. And I was like, oh, here's Trigger. Here's the Trigger we know. So, But again, that song is kind of a rarity. There are only a couple ridiculous songs like that. If you heard R. Kelly's song, The Zoo, from circa 2005 or six. You know what to expect, and it's just as ridiculous. Hmm. Now, Tom, Trey actually did an interview, I think, with The Breakfast Club a while ago, and he was mentioning all the R&B artists from my generation, from Neil, Chris Brown, Omarion, Marcus Houston, Bobby V, and he said the reason why he wasn't able to uh, to blow up like all of, they, all of them did, um, especially in the beginning, was that his image was too hood. I think that was something that you were talking about too, right? Yeah, I mean, that, that's something I said, like, that would be an issue for him as he got older, and it was certainly the case. It's kind of like he swayed between being hood and kind of being this, you know, making the R&B jams, though, when it benefited him throughout his career. I, I don't really know. I mean, if that's his real personality, though, I mean, it's just who he is. What are you going to do about it? But uh, it is an interesting point, though. I mean, never really thought about it in terms of, like, against his peers and whatever, but... His peers are certainly in trouble right now. We know that much. We've talked about that. But, um, yep. Boy, are they. <laughs> so, we'll see what happens. Good on, good on Trey. Uh, you guys definitely go support it. What do you guys think it's going to do first week? I have, a, I have a, really no, a really low number in mind, but I'm curious to hear your guys' prediction. I honestly have no idea. When I post an album review and Trey Song's fans are like, I didn't know he had an album out. If your core fan base doesn't know, I'm expecting this thing to move about 13 units. And that's 10 of those are like family from Virginia and Petersburg. So I have no idea what this thing is doing. I I, I was going to say, I said 25 was my guess, 25,000. I mean, it's it's a tough one. I have no idea, really. But what was the last one, Kyle, first week? Last one was Trigger. It sold about 105000 Damn, that'll be a huge drop-off. But like we were talking about last time, the promotion hasn't been typical, so no idea. Yeah, this is a tough one. I'm putting the number at like 15. But, you know, his fans mm-hmm. might come through and support him. Who knows? Yeah. Um, another uh, one of Ed's favorite artists, Tamar Braxton... Recently oh left. <laughs> she left her deal with Epic and is now signed independently to E1. 
and the deal that she got from E1 was one million dollars. Hmm. They know they signed Tamar Braxton and not Tony Braxton, right? <laughs> what? <laughs> Come on, right. man. She has sell. She can sell records, though. She can. Man, can she Rude. sell them when the reality show not on? Is it over? Mm. I don't follow TV, so I have no idea. <laughs> Tom doesn't own a TV, <laughs> but <much>. um, <laughs> I have no idea what that reality show does but yeah let's be fair i'll be fair and nice i'll be nice since i started out the podcast nice tamar's couple her albums i feel are extremely overrated by her fan base which i have discussed well i think last week's podcast my feelings about the tamarsians but that aside i think she's a very talented artist but i think that she has been slightly, more than slightly, grossly overrated in many ways. So I hope that this one million pays off, but it seems like a pretty pricey price point, player. Yeah, that seems unheard of for an independent artist. A million dollars? I didn't even now, know. if her reality show is still in rotation, then okay, I can see it because that is her promotion right there. People love that show. <laughs> I mean, it, it, honestly, from for my point of view, it, this is kind of like breaks the trends a bit because E1 is kind of known as the indie label where artists go, you know, when they've kind of not fallen off but faded a bit. And then it's like a whole different dynamic. And they've never really signed someone who had this much celebrity, you know. So I'm curious to see how it's going to work out, you know, from that point of view. I mean, the, the with E1, you typically get one single at radio and one music video and it's very structured the way they roll out your promotion so this will be interesting and this could like be an indicator of how things go forward on if they'll sign more artists like this or if it's a failure maybe they will stick to lower budget type artists so we'll see yeah i mean the difference is like ed said tamar has so much she has more backing than a lot of these independent artists have you know she has I think she has a new reality TV show coming out, from what I understand. Um, so it, it is going to be different. And with uh, her husband on board, I think they're probably still going to move a couple of units. Uh, they'll still sell well, I think. I don't think this is going to be detrimental to, to her career at all. No, it'll be pretty solid. But I'm just waiting for the Tay Martians to run up in my um, tweets. I will be able to tell the second this goes on twitter because that will be 10 seconds later my mentions will be on fire so oh, hey geez. y'all <laughs> nice <laughs> now tom before we uh, i know you had a couple things you wanted to talk about but just on a side note guys uh, we're gonna do a milk carton edition later um so we're not gonna mention this group but i just wanted to point out that this group is actually back and that's the r&b group Cher- cherish but they're missing two members so it's just two sisters as as opposed to four now uh, I, honestly, I wasn't Tom, really. Fam- please <laughs> go ahead. Ed. Well, I was gonna say, please don't ask me to name the members of Cherish because um, oh man, I I ain't got nothing for you. I didn't even know one <laughs> song by the group. Honestly, I, I I don't even know how I missed them, but I didn't. Yeah, <laughs> but but oh, I definitely I definitely remember them. They have a song called Amnesia that stays on my iPhone. Oh. I love that song. But besides that. Mm, can't help you. But the good news is their new single that we just posted 
uh, self-destruction is actually really good. I even forced Kyle to listen to it immediately this morning, and he liked it too. Yep. Cool, I'll check it out. I've been in review mode this week, so I've got to catch up on a few things. Ed, you know damn well if I like it, you're not going to like it at all. Don't even bother. Yeah, it's probably (laughs) true. I'm giving it a benefit of a doubt, player. (laughs) All right, Tom? So, so uh, a couple of disturbing things happened to me this week related to R&B. Well, one not so related to R&B. Did Rick Ross release an album, Ed? Player, yes. And if you listen to Twitter, it's the greatest thing since Illmatic. But people get very excited about mediocrity. But I I digress. Go ahead before I get heated. Can I just tell you what happened? Someone asked me if I heard the new Rick Ross album, right? Uh Uh-huh. That's pretty much it. I mean, I was pretty uh, insulted by them asking me that question. <laughs> you were insulted oh, by it? the very question yes. of being asked. Why would you ask me that Rick question? Why would I listen to a Rick Ross album? Or what, do I look like I would listen to a Rick Ross album? That's insulting. No, you should be insulted. <laughs> <laughs> That's... But your level of disdain is just crazy right now. It's hilarious. <laughs> I was offended. Moving on. Number two, another incident that occurred. So, you know how these R&B shows tend to pop up all over the United States and they have these promoters all over doing their thing and they have these weird flyers from time to time and they put all these 90s R&B artists on the same bill. So, mm-hmm. I've seen this flyer pop up. Ed, this is for you, man. So, it was like it was like Joe, Drew Hill, Genuine, and then the headliner was Keith Sweat. And underneath Keith Sweat, it said, Sexiest Man Alive. Man, I was just like, wow. wow. <laughs> Who comes up with this with this stuff? That was on the Honestly, show flyer. Keith has a great street team. That's what it sounds like to me. This was a show flyer, man. Like, Is that expecting them to sell tickets by putting that? Is that even... I, I do not understand this. And I can't judge my man, but, but his body of work. And his body of work is off the chain. But I can't judge his physical body. So, exactly. ladies, you're going to have to step in for me on this one. <laughs> so, if you think he the sexiest, you can let a brother know. I'm not sure if that's going to get some extra sales. But I will say, I have been to a Key Sweat concert where women threw draws on the stage. So, there could be something to this. We're going to need Mrs. Superwife to chime in on that one. Shout out to my girl, Crystal. Let us know if Keith is the sexiest man on the planet. <laughs> I'm guessing she's going to say no, but I'm holding out hope. We'll also look out for Lachelle's Wall- Lachelle Wallace's commentary on that one. Two oh of our biggest God. supporters. <laughs> wow. Boy, she's going to have to. And then I've got one more. She's going to put YouTube on fire. <laughs> I've got one more current event. This one wasn't as offending to me. But I found it interesting. So Adina Howard just came out with her new single and video for a song called Blasphemy. And um, not to comment on the song, but unfortunately it features some kind of trendy production with trap beats. And her vocals are kind of like have studio magic on them. And I was just a little disappointed. So (sighs) it's just disappointing to see artists try to make comebacks and kind of go for the trendy sounds, thinking that's going to help them. You know, I just... I don't know. What do you guys think? I don't know if we've had a chance to talk about my baby mama, Dina, on the podcast yet. So let's <laughs> I don't take think this so. opportunity. Okay. Because I love me some of Dina Howard. You had to be there in 1995 when she said, 
She was a freak in the morning and a freak in the evening. See, we take the freakiness now for granted. But back then, that was some next level booty shaking. So, (laughs) Adina had us all shook in 95. But beyond that, her debut album, and I've said this many, many times on Twitter. I think her debut is one of the most underrated albums of the 90s, period, of any genre. It is so good. And her follow-up albums, which have been pretty sparse here and there, have been pretty solid. But her debut was amazing. I'm a huge Adina fan, so it does hurt my heart a little bit to hear her auto-tuning and trapping and all that junk. But, you know, you can never let go of your first love. You can call me Adina. We cool. I'll tell you what. Take a listen to it. And then uh, report back next week. It's called Blasphemy. See, I'm scared, Playo. <laughs> Don't mess with the memories. Come on, guys. Right, There's like... always some good in the bad. There's always some good in the bad. The bad is that, yes, she's putting out a trap song. But the good news is she won't end up on our milk carton edition anymore because she put out a new song. Oh, my God. Guys, <laughs> 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 take the good with the bad, guys. That's good. the silver lining, I guess, Playo. Good segue. Good segue to the milk carton edition, Kyle. Who do we have We're this week going lined into up? That? Ed, Ed actually inspired got- the milk carton edition this week. Because I saw one of his posts well, on Soul and Stereo. We and have our boy not- uh, Sam Salter. Oh, Sam sorry, Salter. I cut you yes. off there, but I, st- you, I stole yeah. your thunder. You got it. <laughs> what do we know about Sam Salter? Well, unfortunately, in 2017, we don't know much of anything about him. <laughs> in 1997, though, Sam Salter was that dude because he was signed to LaFace. And if you are an R&B guy on LaFace stu- studying under Babyface, you know you're going to have some hits. So his second, I think it was his second um, single, There You Are, amazing, banger, amazing song. And his album, It's On Tonight, was really strong, too. But then he was supposed to have a follow-up, and that just kind of went by the wayside. And after that, he was sucked into the milk carton vortex, and we've never seen him again. So if you out there, Sam, holla at us, because it's been 20 years since you gave us some heat. That is too long. Interesting note about Sam Salter is he actually recorded Cisco's song Incomplete first, and I believe ended up passing really? on the song. Yeah. So... And I did not know this. Yeah. And then, well, actually, another interesting fact, he also uh, had the Boys to Men song, Color of Love, and that was supposed to be on his sophomore album as well. This dude was just giving away hits. <laughs> My goodness. Did he have a thong song, too, when he gave that away? <laughs> I can't, uh, I don't know well, about that, but... <laughs> Well, I'm wait. Hold on. I'm I'm reading uh, his Wikipedia. The Cisco song "Homewrecker." Do we know this song? Oh, oh, that was the second album, right? Uh, yep. Oh, if it's second album, it's been purged from my memory because I was like, I don't remember <laughs> that, and there's a good reason. Yeah. Good lord, that second album. <laughs> oh, Cisco. <laughs> Man, I mean, what is next thing you're gonna tell me is he recorded the whole Confessions album? Sam Salter recorded <laughs> Confession. They just gave it to us. Man. <laughs> Killing me, man. <laughs> um, Tom, I know we want to get into a new segment right now. This is—I want to introduce this to you guys. You know, we we draw in, in uh, influences from all different things, from sports to to music to reality to news. I want to introduce this to you guys. 
the R&B Hall of Fame that you know I got so oh. R&B Hall of Fame. Can I tell them? Who are what, some uh, artists? Well, let me tell them what it means yeah. to be in the in the uh, in the Hall of Fame. First of all, okay, we're going to assume that the obvious people are in it, like the Stevie Wonders, the Whitney Houston's, and the Luther Vandross, Aretha Franklin, etc. You know, the obvious people. Um, and the Hall of Fame is for is is for the greatest of all time. If someone's like really had a really good career or is is a great artist, they might not be in. So. If we don't vote someone in, it doesn't necessarily mean they're not good. We just can't have everyone clogging up the Hall of Fame. So we got to keep it tidy. Fair enough? Yeah, and plus, with a yeah. Hall of Fame, you don't induct like 90 people in at one time anyway. <laughs> you have a couple of people in a year. So calm down before y'all start yelling, because I see the tweets already are typing. So for this edition, what we're going to do is, like Kyle was mentioning, this edition, this podcast, we'll do like 10. And then going forward, maybe we'll do one or two on each podcast. We'll add that as a permanent segment. But we wanted to get the ball rolling on this one. I'm going to throw out a name, and then each of us will, will vote on it. We can debate it. We can vote them in and see where we end up. Okay. This should be exciting. Ready, guys? Well, actually, you know what? A good idea would, and A good idea is if each of us present an artist to the All table right. fair, fair enough i can let's, i can hold some of these back for that. the next ones because if, if we have, have 10 someone... we'll be talking we'll be talking if we, if we have 10 we'll be talking until dre drops detox and that's gonna be a while <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> oh <laughs> all right tom you go all right first up sam salter <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> oh man <laughs> Yes. I'm sorry. <laughs> I couldn't help it. Sorry. For real. All right. Oh, for real. Uh, first up, D'Angelo. Make your case. Well, I'm not nominating him. I'm throwing a name out there. I'm saying that this one for me could go either way. So think about the impact he's had. He's only had three albums. But in terms of the impact he's had on the genre... You know, pushing a sound. I think you got to look at it from that perspective. For me, the answer is no. But I think he's wow. close. But I think he's close. I would say he's a very hearty yes. And for the reasons that you said, because of his impact. And even though, I'll be honest, I'm not a fan of every D'Angelo album. He's only at three. There's one that I love. There's one that's okay and one that I don't really like that much. I still understand the impact that he's had. The A lot of that's been mystique. But when he has delivered, he delivers. And when you think that he's kind of birthed a whole generation of R&B artists that have followed his path and are still following his path, I think it's a no-brainer. So... He get he would get my vote. Tiebreaker, I would Kyle? probably have. Well, I'd have to say. I'd have to say yes as well, just because of his first two albums. Those are still albums that people listen to today, and they hold dearly to their heart. And the impact that he had, just the introduction of Neil Soul, you got to go with D'Angelo. He he's in. Fair enough. So do you want me to keep going or do you want me or does someone else want to go next? 
I'll go next. Okay. Okay. Trey songs. Oh man. State your case. Play a police. State your case. Can I state my case? All right. Yep. You well. can state it, but go ahead and state. Look at his track record. And I'm just saying his track record. I'm not saying anything about his albums. His track record after 2009 and how many R&B artists have came after that and have had the success that he has. Not many. That's all I'm going to say. Well, I got plenty to say. When it comes to Trey, I feel like his career has been a lot of unfulfilled potential. He started out very strong. I think he peaked in 2009 with Reddy. And although he's been very consistent, I don't think that his output has matched that. I think that he had the opportunity to be like the, especially when my old cousin Chris self-destructed circa 2010. I feel like he should have, for the next 10 years, been R&B's dominant voice. He's kind of squandered that. So instead of doing that, he's just been, okay, Decent albums here and there. He's been somewhat influential, but even uh, I feel like Chris Brown in many ways has been more influential than he has. And even Chris Brown, I would kind of side eye an induction. So, nope for me. Yeah, that's the thing. I think you made a good point in terms of being more influential. I mean, who has Trey Songs really influenced? Has he influenced the next generation? I, I don't know the answer. I don't think he has. To me, he's more so had some commercial singles that have elevated his status, and it's kind of made him one of the top names in R&B, but I don't think... It's like the argument I made last week. His music is not going to stand the test of time at the end of the day, and for me, a Hall of Famer, music will stand the test of time, so I will have to say no. Sorry, You guys are killing me, but it's okay. (laughs) Let's be honest. No one from your generation is getting in. Let's just call it right now. Oh, <laughs> only time will only time will tell, my friends. That's true. Keep holding out for Mario. He'll he'll give you that album one day, Kyle. Uh, Dad, are you throwing one in? You know I am, and you know who it is. Oh boy! Oh, oh boy! Oh, it is! It is the OG of R&B himself, the sexiest man alive, <laughs> according to some raggedy promoter, <laughs> Keith Sweat. 30-year career, probably 20 million sold. I haven't even looked up the number the last time I checked. Last time I checked, it was like 17 million or something. Has been kind of the pioneer of New Jack Swing, one of the headlining voices in the 90s, still doing this thing today, still packing houses. Legendary artist who, for whatever reason, still hasn't gotten his due. So, he's going in a Hall of Fame. Yes. I'm going to say yes, just so I don't have to hear you complain for the next 15 minutes. Oh, you know me well. <laughs> I'll take it as a win. <laughs> um, I'm going to say no, because I feel like Teddy Riley made Keith Sweat's career. Oh, oh wow. please. Oh, I'm, just <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh, man. Um, I'm I'm gonna say no just so we don't have a unanimous yes. We're saying no because you're a hater. <laughs> no, but he makes a good point. You got to keep the unanimous status for the real legends. Oh man! Like oh, man. Trey songs. Good lord! All right, moving along. 
my next one up. Ready Please for this? Please should, should, should we do? Let's do. Let's go one more around. Three more. Okay. This is a good right. one. This is a. I'm just picking some ones I think will be tough. Like they're not obvious. So for me, I'm going to say Alicia Actually, Tom, Keys. Can you, I, I, well, hold on. Before you say that, I was just saying Trey songs to make it tough on you guys. I don't actually think Trey deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, but you can at least make the argument. He he could be in it, so that's fair. Okay. But you said Alicia Uh, Keys? Alicia Keys, um, just her level of success from the start, um, hit records, uh, has become one of the biggest R&B artists, crossed over to pop. You know, um, I don't know. I feel like she's been one of the most successful since she came out compared to her peers. So what do you guys think? I think she's another given. I think that in recent years, we tend to, it's kind of like become in fashion to kind of hate on her for whatever ridiculous reason about who she's sleeping with or whatever. So I think she gets a lot of unnecessary hate these days. And I am the first one to say that her material today isn't as good as it was five or six years ago. But you can't look past that material that she put out five or six years ago. And for those who weren't around in 01, 02, when she completely dominated the scene, she really was a turning point. And I think that you can't look past that. So she's got my vote, no question. Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of with... Five-star albums, hook it up. Yeah, I got to go with Ed on this one. Um, first album, great. Second album, I didn't really like as much. Third album was great. You got to understand, like, Alicia Keys, for four albums straight, she maintained, uh, you know... A high standard and she has that longevity she adapted with the times you know and you know she never strayed away from that for the most part um you got to give it to her just she she deserves to be in it you know what you know what i'll say though um in terms of hall of fame she probably fits more in the the pop hall of fame than the r&b hall of fame just because of mm. her level of success in pop but uh. um, I'll, I'll, I'll give her you don't think so well what uh I'd have to review her discography. Like, did her original yeah. hits cross over? I, I don't really know. Um, the early ones did, yes. Like, Fall and yeah. them definitely crossed over. But I okay. still feel like, even though they crossed over, they were R&B. She didn't start drifting toward pop until As I Am era. And sure. some of the more recent stuff, that wasn't as great. So she definitely has a pop side. But at her peak, she was R&B. So I think that qualifies her. All right. Cool. Unanimous. Wow. My turn? Yep. Mr. Voltron himself, starring in Fast and Furious, Transformers, Baby Boy. Oh my god. Mr. Tyrese Gibson. Oh my goodness. Bloody can I make my ca- make can I case? Yes. Well, I will say this about Tyrese. Early on, if we're looking at the first Eight years of career, maybe ten years of his career, maybe not. He was sort of just in the middle. He didn't really distinguish himself from any other R&B artist at that time. But over the last six years, going independent, I think he's he's kind of changed the game a little bit. He's kind of changed the uh, landscape of his career, and has just turned himself into a superstar. Ed. I really want to hate on him just because, but I really feel like he's one that's on the fence. Like, I have to really sit and think. When it comes to output and material, I think that his 
he's had some good albums, but he's had a lot more mediocre albums than he had good albums. When it comes to great songs, he's had a couple, but he hasn't had like an Alicia Keys where there are these groundbreaking songs. But I will say he has kind of upheld the banner a lot more than most. So he gets props for that. But I kind of talked myself out of it. So no. He's close though. He's close. I just feel like he's just slightly out of the range. Yeah. I'm going to say no also. Uh, just because like probably if he had dedicated himself fully to music and not done movies also and he had more you know more time spent in r&b than maybe i'd consider it but um i just feel like he hasn't had enough of a of a resume to get in and plus his his ego and if he could just humble himself a little more sometimes man that's that that loses some votes you know that ego he'd be in if he didn't have an ego uh maybe you know that that counts for something (laughs) Oh man! <laughs> Ed? Oh yeah, I forgot. It's my go. Um, one person came to mind, and I'm not 100 percent behind this person. I like to just get y'all to weigh in. Aaliyah. Oh, I knew it was coming. Now I know. Oh, I knew boy. it was coming. I... <laughs> oh boy! Because. And here's why I say that. Because if you ask the internet, she is the greatest artist since Whitney Houston. But she has had great albums and she is definitely influential. But I don't know if... And and I almost say that she didn't have the longevity, but she was around for three solid albums and a couple soundtracks. So it's not like she had an abbreviated career. But I wonder if the online hype matches the actual output so i'm really on the fence with the leo what do y'all think you want to go first kyle sure um the output is is good all three albums i think are pretty solid um i don't you know her her second album is obviously a game changer now if we're asking whether she belongs on the r&b hall of fame with the likes of a D'Angelo, a Keith Sweat, and an Alicia Keys, I'm not too sure on that one. Um, I wish there was an, another award that we could give her. I don't know if this is this is the spot for her. It's close, though. I, I will say it's close. And I think it's going to get more challenging as we go along and we start naming different artists who end up on the Hall of Fame. And then you're going to go back and say, damn, Aaliyah should have been in this. But right yes. now, I'm leaning towards a no. I'm going to say yes, and only because she's so, been so influential and still influential. You got Chris Brown and Drake still trying to get her records out there, and those are two of the biggest names out right now. But here's the thing. like When an artist passes away, it's almost like we freeze freeze them in time and elevate them to the highest you know, portion of their career. So like if her career had carried on, she may have fell off by now, and we wouldn't even have been talking about her for the Hall of Fame. Who knows? But like since she passed so early, all we remember is the good stuff, and we just carry her to a, a bigger heights. And I'm not saying she doesn't deserve it, but who's to say she would wouldn't have been an independent artist by now and not even talked about? You never know. But what she did accomplish when she was here is, is enough, I think, to to have her in there. And uh, yeah, I, 
I think she, I don't think she would have fell off in my opinion, but she probably would have gotten more into acting and other things. Music might not have been the focal point. So they, I always bring up this, her last album while she was still alive, you know, me and you talked about this, Kyle, it wasn't doing as well as people had hoped. And then when she passed, it really started taking off. So that's just another thing to factor in. Yep, yep. That's true. I've talked about that as well. I think that a lot of people remembering remember that first album, that last album coming out and like breaking all these numbers. But I clearly, I have a clear, vivid memory of that album dropping and me walking in Target and there being like 700 copies like near the register where you buy. And I was like, no one copped this album? And she hadn't passed yet. And it was probably like days before that. And I was a big fan of the album. And I was like, huh, people need to get on this album. But then, of course, we lost her and they flew off the shelves. But, and I think also that, that first album was hurt because if she went with Rock the Boat as the original single, that would have probably pushed it a little bit more. But all of your points are great. I see them. I'm just on the fence. I don't know. I love her to death. I love Aaliyah, but I don't know. So what's your vote? That's you got to vote, though. Yeah, you got to vote. You got to vote. Oh, I'll say I'll go with a hesitant yes. Oh, thank goodness. The stands were lurking. Wow. Oh, well, the stands stay in my back pocket. We good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, let's go three more, guys. This is this is fun. All right. <laughs> this All this right. is fine. This is the same guy that was like, don't do 10, it'll be too many. All right. Well, we're like, at nine. Right, we're we're going to be at nine, so we're good. All right. All right. All right, here we go. This one's for you, Kyle. All right. Yep. Neo. And Neo, and I'm going to say, oh, man. I'm going to say, if we were talking about his albums... No, not yet. But if we're talking about his whole body of work in terms of songwriting, then yes. So overall, I'm going to say yes. Yeah, I would say that too. I call that the Babyface Award. Um, I mean, his <laughs> his albums award. have been good. <laughs> oh man, his writing has been great, man. And he, you know, he did have an impact on music. Like, let's not pretend like he didn't there was that time period where everything sounded like or he either wrote on it or stargate produced it and that went on for about a year from songs like irreplaceable take a bow and some of the other stuff i think during that time period pop music was very ballad heavy and a lot of that was probably neil so and you know his first three albums great albums so i'm gonna go with yes can i jump in before ed sorry what one quick thing the thing about him is, I don't know if any of his albums we'd consider classics, and that might be an issue too. And you know, and then he also did kind of go the way of the Usher and go pop. So the, those are two negative factors. But I had to let you go. See, now I got to come in as big bad hater and probably say <laughs> no on this one. And the only wow. reason why I say no is because of what you just said. I think when it comes to albums. His first album is great. That's the greatest thing he's had to a classic. I don't consider it a classic, but I think it's the closest one. He's had a lot of up and down work. And while he was really, really hot for a couple years and very influential, I just don't think overall body of work does it. And if we are 
Now, if this is a songwriter's Hall of Fame, okay, we got it. But if we're looking at this as overall achievements, I think his achievements behind the boards are a little bit stronger. But that's not enough for me. So, uh uh-uh. Damn. Well, so two to one, he's in. Tom? Well, I say yes. I say, say, well, I say based on factoring in the hits that he's written and been featured on, I'm counting that. So well, you want us to put an what, asterisk next to his name? Well, no. I mean, we're just... Uh, I'm just saying that's <laughs> what we're looking at it like. The whole body of work, oh. not just based on his albums. That's just clarification. Sure. Okay, gotcha. Okay, I mean, I don't want to... I don't want to do too many of these artists because we have so much more to go, but we all love them. But are they in the R&B Hall of Fame, guys? Drew Hill. You want to make your you want to make your case for that one? Well, I just threw the name out there, but um, I have to think about that one too because we've mentioned their first two albums are great, but I don't know. Everything after was sort of shaky. Um, and are, are we including Cisco's solo career in this in this induction? You can include Cisco's solo career, and I'd still vote no. <laughs> No offense, I, I, I love Drew Hill, but I just don't think they've done nearly enough. I pretty much agree on this one. And as we said last week when we were discussing Drew Hill versus 112 versus Next versus J.E., I think they're when you compare them to 90s groups, they are among the top, especially late 90s groups. They might be the top. But if you're looking at overall influence, their debut, I feel like, is five stars. Their second album is great. And then it's a huge drop-off. And not that some of the other stuff was bad, although I think one was bad. But that it's just too much inconsistency. And for this Hall of Fame, I feel like it needs to be an artist who has game-changing work and consistency and longevity. And they just don't do it. Sis, even if you kind of factor in Cisco, and I love Cisco's first album, but even then, his, I mean, his flame burned out even quicker than the groups did. So that's going to be another no for me. Kyle, you know who that reminds me yeah, of? If I can use it, can I use a basketball analogy? Sure. <laughs> They're like the Tracy McGrady. They started out amazing and then burned out early. Yep. <laughs> oh man, sorry. Man, I just realized every person that, I, that I've nominated has been out. Well, most of them that you've nominated, you said you were shaking on yourself. It's not like, <laughs> oh, this is my guy. Oh, no. <laughs> that, that's how fights break out. <laughs> <laughs> I've been in my share, player. All right, Ed. All right, Ed. Let's finish this off. <laughs> All right, I got one. And speaking of fights, I know we're going to come to blows on this one, so I'm already rolling up my sleeves and get ready to go. Erica Badu. And she is an easy yes for me. And I will tell you why. I, I Basically, have, she's sorry. a female. Let me finish for you while <laughs> oh Thomas. I'm chomping at the bit over here. So, so... The reason why is the same, pretty much the same argument I have for D'Angelo. A phenomenal debut, 
a little inconsistent as far as the amount of work she's put out, but pretty much every album she's put out has been strong. Stronger than D'Angelo's discography to me. Extremely influential. Still has it today. Still packing houses. She has this new fixation with track rappers and hanging around with them, and that kind of worries me. But besides that, as we talked about with Badu, I mean with um, Adina Howard, sometimes your heroes break your heart every once in a while. But her career is extremely amazing. Five-star debut. Can't hate. Badu goes in. Tom, come uh, I'm not going to argue too much. I, I oh, man. You know what the problem oh, but is? you want to. Here's the problem. It's like, artists like this, she's just so elusive. I mean, they just don't remain in the spotlight enough for us to really appreciate them. I mean, we know their body of work. But it's not like they're releasing music frequently enough. I mean, I mean, what did you even think of that last mixtape? I liked it. Yeah. As usual, Twitter overrated it, but I liked yeah. it. It was a cute little vanity project, and it was entertaining. I don't know, man. I'm iffy on this one. I feel more strongly about D'Angelo. Even though I appreciate the greatness of Erica Badu, I just... Man. Come back to me on this one. Let me let me give another minute and think about it, Kyle. Um, see, this is a tough one. Um, she hasn't really aimed for mainstream success, so I can't measure it based on that. She has had a impact on R and B. I don't know if it's as significant as D'Angelo's, um, because that's who we seem to be comparing her to right now. Um. Yeah, I don't know. This is a tough one. I'm. I'll go with. Uh, <laughs> I'll say yes, just because of the longevity. People still love Erica Badu to this day, and they still listen to her music, and even her newer stuff. Yeah, but I feel like it's the longevity is only because of the elusiveness. Had she remained in the spotlight, had she consistently released music, would she still be at this level? I, and I don't know the answer to that. I mean, man, it's been seven years since her last album. You know, she's only had five albums in 20 years. It's like, ah, oh, man, I'm going to say no, but I'll probably change my mind later. <laughs> It's a tough one, though. I mean, that's a, it's a, the, the elusiveness is a great point. It's that old argument that people have about Biggie in the rap world, where it's like, oh, you consider him a legend, but he only had two albums. If he was around 20 years, he would have had plenty of time to put out garbage, which is probably true. But all we can do is judge by what they gave us. So. Right. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. So just to summarize uh, the R&B Hall of Fame thus far, we have out... Who, you know, people who won't be in it, it Trigger will not be in it, Mr. Voltron, Tyrese Gibson will not be in it, and Cisco and his boys, Drew Hill, will not be in it. People that will be in it, D'Angelo, Alicia Keys, Aaliyah, Neo, Erica Badu, and I guess Keith Sweat will be in it. <laughs> you better guess. I think that's a pretty strong class, if you ask me. Sure is. We'll take it. Now, I want to quickly go into the uh, the food discussion, because I know we're running a little late now. That took a little longer than I anticipated. 
Uh, what's on the menu tonight, guys? Well, I had a, I had a revelation. All right, feel me on this, guys. Right. So, oh boy. if we were <laughs> able to name, if we were able to name our studio, our podcast studio, something, right? I think I'd go with yeah. the with the grilled chicken studios. What oh, do you geez. think? I think that's the most disgusting thing that you said on this podcast. Oh, come on. Grilled Chicken Studios? Yes. <laughs> but what would you name it? I would probably name it... Uh, something more tantalizing than that garbage you just said. Let me think. No one can hate on chicken. Grilled chicken... No, no one can hate on chicken, but I'm going to hate on your grilled chicken. It's so chicken. You so probably good. don't even grill the chicken. You just like paint the lines on with a magic marker and then say, "Look, it's come healthy. on, man." Grilled chicken so good. We're gonna name our whole studio after it. <laughs> wow. Oh. <laughs> I would rather it be named after chicken fingers than grilled chicken. Chicken fit. Now, actually, I will not even eat chicken fingers. Believe it or not. Oh, I believe it. I won't eat it. Sorry. That's ridiculous. Now, anyway. if Kyle said he didn't eat chicken fingers, that would surprise me. <laughs> no, I love chicken fingers. Oh, well, man. see, that's what I thought. Yeah. All right. How about chicken this? Chicken finger studio. Can we bring up a, a, a food this time around that's not fast food? Does anyone actually eat at any place that's classy? Crickets. <laughs> Please define, Crickets define classy. <laughs> I, <all> I, <laughs> I don't mean like Olive Define Garden. Define classic. Not like Olive Garden or something like that. I mean like real. Is Olive Garden still open? <laughs> I haven't been to Olive Garden since like 1999. <laughs> Damn. Wow. You're missing endless breadsticks and salad bowl, man. <laughs> they still have that. Yep. That's their wow. main attraction. Uh, I don't even eat out much, to be honest. Well, we I eat guess. out if- a lot, but most of the. Our places are local. I can't think of like any chains that we hit up. Well, I guess if we're struggling, if we're struggling with uh, naming foods, let's go back to fast food. I got some more McDonald's news for you guys. Oh, oh my god! <laughs> all How right, do you find this stuff. <laughs> it's all over my newsfeed for some reason. I don't. Maybe it's because I search it up so much that it just pops up for me. You know how the SEO works. Um, Look, player, I'm in marketing. It's called targeted ads, and you keep searching weird, gross food, so it's going to land on your timeline. So <laughs> yep. there you go. So McDonald's is actually going to be releasing their sauces in, you know, in, in bottles to be sold at grocery stores. So there's a uh, Big Wait Mac a sauce. Isn't it just Thousand Island dressing? Like <laughs> I thought this was well known. Apparently it's not. Apparently there is a slight difference in the two. Player, please. They are going to take those bottles of Thousand Island dressing, slap McDonald's on the front, charge you $50, and then peddle it as some magic sauce. Mm, yep. <laughs> Can't wait. Um, so they have, a, they have a Big Mac sauce. They have a McChicken sauce, which I thought was just mayonnaise, but apparently it's not. Oh, wow. Big chicken salt. What is that? Isn't that just ketchup and mayo mixed up? Man, McDonald's is fun. <laughs> and they're like the, the auto tune of like the fast food world. Their vocals are fraudulent. Oh. <laughs> and the last sauce will be the filet fished 
tartar sauce, which I believe is the same as every other tartar sauce, but I'm going to have to buy a bottle and find out for myself. Oh my gosh, I'll make sure that we um, get a nice casket for you after you <laughs> eat that and pass away. Damn. <laughs> oh, man. So... That appears to be it for uh, this edition of the podcast. We inducted some people into the Hall of Fame. We didn't include some others, which I'm still very sad about. But we'll have to revisit it. I might sneak Tyrese into another podcast. And, you know, you guys will probably forget about him by then. And then he'll just magically sneak (laughs) into the podcast. Wow. Yeah, we're really going to forget about Tyrese, (laughs) the dude that can't stop self-promoting himself for 15 seconds on Instagram. Oh, man, his Instagram videos are the best. He just puts a camera to his face and just starts talking about nothing. Oh, my God. That's a skill. Player, I don't need to look up your nostrils while you ramble about something, getting your grease all over the phone. In, in his deep voice as well. <laughs> it's not sexy. Keith is the sexiest man alive. Oh, my from God. That's <laughs> the one thing I learned from this podcast. Oh, mm-hmm. man. I, I knew you'd get a kick out of that one. Oh, you're not living this one down. We're waiting for the confirmation to come in from our two biggest supporters, Lachelle Wallace and Mrs. Superwife, though. Oh, my goodness. Those two are going to lay in me. <laughs> yeah. well, I guess we'll also need to have an R&B Sexiest People Alive Hall of Fame. So, Keith Sweat oh. might be the first. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'm not getting involved in that. I'll let y'all vote on that one. I'm you can not... have to vote on that one, player. <laughs> Um, I'll so call I, I mean, me I guess, when it's time to vote on Adina Howard and Deborah Cox, and then we good. Oh, I mean, I guess on behalf of us three right now, as far as Keith Sweat getting into that Hall of Fame, I think it's a una- unanimous no. So, Lachelle Wallace and uh, Miss Superwife, there's a lot of pressure on you guys to put him into that. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Ed, what's going on with SoInStereo.com? <laughs> oh, my gosh. This podcast is ridiculous. Um. Nothing but reviews, reviews, reviews on Soul and Stereo. So if you want to know about the latest of new albums, hit me up. I've got a review of Drake's album, which I thought was going to be terrible and wasn't that bad. And then we already talked a little bit about Tremaine, my thoughts on that. The Rick Ross album that Tom loves, um, his feelings are about the same as mine. And I actually listened to it. So check out the album and see your thoughts on that. And early this morning, I posted a review of Raekwon's album. The chef of Wu-Tang is back, and it is surprisingly good. His last album was in, but if you're a fan of that old-school Wu-Tang sound, you will like his new album. So stop by Soul and Stereo and let me tell you what's up. Cool. Um, And as far as you know, I got so... um, I just actually put out the review of the Kevin Ross album, and that actually surprisingly got a lot more retweets and comments than i thought it would i thought it would just kind of fall on deaf ears but seems to be a couple of r&b fans that are interested in that album and i suggest everyone to just take a listen to it it's kind of a breath of fresh air in in the times of trap and turning up so definitely go check out that uh tom what else is going on well it's been a slow week for the most part but you went to a concert last night right i did i went to an ariana grande concert (laughs) oh How'd you just miss this play? You know I got to get you on with this. Your ears still work? Good for you. Ouch. Come on. I will say this, though. I have realized I don't know what she's singing about half the time. 
<laughs> you just realized this? It just sounds I good. I realized that since the second album. It just sounds good. <laughs> That's true. Yep. It's like saying that like crickets sound good on a summer night. Like, I guess, <laughs> but I don't know what they're talking about. Wow. Um, we I did actually get to catch uh, Victoria Monet, who was... I don't know if she's still signed at Atlantic, but uh, she's an artist that we support. She was opening up for Ariana Grande. Uh, do you guys want to guess how long her set time was? Oh, Lord. I'm afraid to ask. It was. Did they give her longer than 15 minutes? Nope. It was 15 minutes. <laughs> she, got, she got on that stage, did her little two-step, sang a couple of notes, and before you knew it, she was off the stage. Mm. Well... Still support the grind. Still support. Times are hard, man. But anywho, uh, that's, times is hard. <laughs> times are hard. Uh, that that appears to be uh, it for this week's uh, edition of the podcast. Tom and Ed, it's been a pleasure. We're gonna have to do this again next week so we can nominate my girl Brandy and put her into that Hall <laughs> of Fame. But until then, we're gonna oh have to boy. call it a day. Peace out, guys. Signing yes. off. Signing off from the Peace Grilled Chicken from- Studios. Peace. The grill chicken. Wow. Get out of here, please. <laughs> All right, later, guys.